Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. Uh, This is your host, Glenn Sutherland. Uh, This is going to be a solo episode. So why is it a solo episode? Because I'm kind of excited about this one. What we're going to be talking about is seven reasons or sorry, seven common problems or mistakes that a lot of Canadians make when they invest in the United States. But before that, what I want to talk about is this is actually this week, Mark's doing this podcast for five years. For people who don't know that, that five years, this is five years of putting out an episode almost every single week and consistency And consistency is the name of the game. I think a lot of people actually don't understand how much work goes into doing this. And for doing this for five years as a weekly podcast is a ton of work. But as a testament to myself and to show you that anyone could do this, putting the work in consistently for five years, uh, this podcast has grown phenomenally. Um, I remember when I first started doing it, there was like, 10 or 30 people that listen to this and it was tough it was tough to continue to put this out and what I just kept putting in the back of my mind is if I could go to a local meetup and stand in front of 30 people would I do it and yes I would right I would I've always went and volunteered at all kinds of meetups and I would do it for that kind of audience and but the, the hard part is you're when you're doing podcasting you're expecting to have a huge amount or even the YouTube channel you're expecting to have a huge amount of people listen to this and it it wasn't it takes a lot of time and a lot of consistency and putting out amazing content or the best that you can do. And what's going to happen is over time, people are going to tell people and it'll grow. There is lots of ways where you can go and I think people buy stuff or buy leads or buy someone to promote this. I didn't do any of this. I I did it all on word of mouth. And now we've been getting about 4,000 views per week. And I'm ecstatic. Honestly, I put a lot of work in and I'm very proud of what the work that's came out of this. So anyway, wanted to put that out there first. And you want to do anything successful. You want to do flips, burrs, lease options, subject tos, whatever you're you're passionate about, or even if it's not real estate, you want to do something consistently for five years or even as a weekly thing. You will get much better at it. Even listening to my early podcast, they're not, <laughs> I'm not well-spoken. Um, but you can... If you consistently put yourself out there and you, or consistently work at something, it will grow into something powerful, right? Especially if you have passion for it and you're doing your best to put the best out you can. So, so without further ado, I'm going to get into our actual topic. And I get a lot of emails from other Canadians investing in the U.S. And I've heard all kinds of mistakes that people have made. And I think by just going over some of these mistakes, it will help. Uh, it'll, it'll help everyone. Uh, make fewer of them, especially when you're starting. So let's start with the first one. So the first thing I want to talk about that people make mistakes that I've heard of is falling into lending scams. Um, Why do these lending scams exist? Um, It's because people are desperate for money. And if you hear something that is too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. But anyway, I want to give you a few tips here to try and make this a little safer for everyone, right? First of all, when you're, these, these are typically lending scams. Someone's obviously or usually saying, hey, I am a lender. Um, I will lend on your property. And what I'm looking for is a certain fee to do this. You know, your points, your origination, your one to 5% setup fee. First thing is, where do you pay that money to? You pay that money 
to the title company. Do not give this person money. Typically, on, well, actually, honestly, if these people are asking for money, it is a scam because they, if they're an actual lender, they will know this goes directly to the title company or the attorney that's closing your property. So first thing, the first red flag is that they're asking you to send them money, right? Um, the second thing is you're going to need to send this to the title company. So the title company, are they real, right? Because just as easily, if you say, hey, I'm going to send the money to the title company, they could say, okay, this is a title company, send them money right? So title companies have lawyers, they have attorneys there, they are registered, right? You should be able to look them up. They have um, people who have licenses that work there. So you can look these up. Typically, they're on the Better Business Bureau, but do look these up ahead of time, right? Make sure they are real that you're sending this money to because you could be still sending it to that same scammer, right? The other tip, whenever I'm talking to them, I typically, I like to get them on a phone call. And this gives me the ability to reverse look up their phone numbers. And I don't like working with anyone who's using a VoIP number. Another tip for detecting these scams is all the loan documents always have an address. Go to the address, Google street view the address, um, call the address, like, or call the business. Do they actually work there? Talk to the receptionist. Hey, could you patch me through through their system to them? Do you get to the same person, right? Um, you can skip trace their avoid there's you can skip trace, right? This will try to avoid some other fake people. Um, the biggest part to this is trust your gut. Trust your gut about if this doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. And where did you get this per, this lender from? Um, there is a lot more lenders that are fraudulent in the United States than in Canada, right? So where did you get this referral from? Is this referral coming from someone you know and trust? Then you could probably feel a lot better. But at the same time, when you're getting referrals from anyone, ask them where have they worked with them, right? There is a lot of people that will just pass the buck and try to get the referral fee and never actually use them. So when you're getting a referral from somebody, make sure that they have actually used them so that you're not relying that so you're not trusting that they did their due diligence and you don't do your due diligence yourself right make sure you do your due diligence and also ask them where they got this referral right the last thing about this is i don't like gmail addresses i don't like anyone who uses gmail addresses for businesses including lenders um, i know there are lots of legitimate lenders legitimate real estate agents that use gmail addresses I don't trust them. If you don't want to look professional, then you're not going to be working with me. The second thing that I often hear as a problem, and it happens more often than other states, but buying wrong, right? Um, I'm always looking for a significant discount when I'm buying properties. And I hear about all these people buying stuff on market, fully renovated, and they're paying at market value or above market value. And I ask them what their exit strategy is. And it's always it's going to appreciate. It's going to go up forever. I think everyone who's in this market right now, um, we're recording this in January 2023, that they know that this isn't necessarily a thing. Appreciation should not be in any of your pro formas. Um, and if it is, it should be depreciation. You should be assuming that the market is going to drop. And if you are assuming the market is going to drop, before you know this recession that's happening right now was going on, you'll be further ahead. Do you know how much better it is to go to your investors and go, guess what? We got extra money than going, guess what? We need to do a cash call and we need more money from you, right? Or you're not getting the same returns on the sale. So do this the right way. Run your numbers conservatively. The third point that I hear people doing wrong all the time is 
shopping around for loans. And what they're always asking for is try and get the highest loan to value and the lowest interest rate. What people don't understand is if that you tell the lender that's what your main criteria is, they can make the loan the cheapest interest rate. How do they do that? It's called point buy downs, right? So you can buy down your loan. If you're willing to pay higher points and origination fees before you start the loan, like front end and fees, then you can get a lower interest rate. So a lot of people tell the lender, I just want, I'm shopping around for the cheapest interest rate, or they get the hint that you're trying to get the cheapest interest rate. And what they will do is give you the cheapest interest rate, but you're instead of paying, you know, no points up front, which is a thing, or very low origination fees, they could line you up with like a $5,000, a $6,000, a $7,000 um, worth of fees up front. And a lot of people think they're a genius. And I've even met them at different events. And they're like, well, what'd you get the interest rate for? And they're like, oh, I got this amazing interest rate. And I was like, how? And I'm like, do you mind if I review your loan documentation? And when I see that, I'm like, you're just front load paid for this, right? The other thing is, is there a place where it makes sense to buy down your points? It does. But you need to calculate the break-even point when you're doing that, right? If you're willing to pay a whole lot of money up front, how long is it going to take you? What is the savings every month by doing this? And how long is it going to take you to break even on paying those high fees up front, right? It is very, it's, it's very smart to think about this. Um, and you should run your numbers this way, because if you find that the cut break even point is like five and a half years, that means you have to keep this property for five and a half years for it to make sense for that, to do that um, buy down. And people go, well, I'm going to keep this property forever. So it makes sense to always do that. Is that the case? Because what if the interest rates go down? Are you going to refinance? Right? I don't know. Right? And this means you also don't want to refinance for that five and a half years. Otherwise, you're losing money. And it made sense to go with the higher interest rate and the lower origination and points at the front. Anyway, something to think about. When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at glensutherland.com coaching. Number four. Another thing to think about. If you've ever partnered with an American citizen, which I have. I've done it many times with many American citizens. But one thing to think about is just because they're an American does not mean that they will get you a better loan. So before you go and partner with American, maybe get their credit score pulled. Um, I've worked with several Americans and I've found that sometimes I am actually approved for higher uh, leverage, uh, lower interest rates because their credit score isn't where it should be for these loans. Or sometimes they don't even meet the minimum criteria. Do run a credit check on your American partners before working with them because it may not be assisting you uh, as much as you think it is, right? And run it by a lender. Number five, don't give the contractor all the money when you start. This is actually the most common email I get from people is the contractor is very slow or the contractor isn't doing any work at all or the contractor has run away with my money. When does this happen? This always, the start of the story is always the same. I, the contractor invoiced me for a $40,000 renovation, and then I cut them a check or wired them $40,000, and I never heard from them. People are motivated by money, right? So what does that mean? If, they give, if you give them all the money up front, they're not motivated to show up to work every day. 
honestly, or they're motivated to work at other job sites and come to yours later whenever they have nothing to do. So you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that client. What you want to start them up, off with is the smallest deposit you can get away with that they're okay with to get them some materials and then pay for work completed, right? Get someone to check their work and then pay them for work that's completed. Treat yourself like the bank. That's how a bank works when they do construction loans. You know, they don't just go here. Oh, oh, you want more money? Here's more money. No, when you're doing a construction loan, you're going to go into their portal, say you want to do a draw, click all the buttons that are done. The lender isn't just going to give you the money. They're going to send someone to the building to confirm that all that work is either completely 100% done or not done at all. Is That's where it's considered. It's in progress. And they only pay for work completed. You know, treat your money like the bank treats their money, right? Respect your money and only pay for work completed and start them off with a deposit. This is going to be much safer for your money. Number six, be careful choosing your partners. You know, if you're doing joint ventures, especially, you are going into, in most cases, when you're doing a joint venture, you're doing a burr or a long-term rental, and you're taking these, pe these people on in like a marriage, Right. Do some due diligence on the people you're working for or working with. Don't just be excited because they have the money to do this project with you. I know it is exciting and is the way to go, but you will find that people change when there's money involved, when pressures come up, when property managers don't perform the way they're supposed to perform, when contractors don't perform the way they're supposed to conform, they're going to come likely after you, right? So try to figure out where they are, right? Um, don't just pick your partners um, because of how much money they have. Um, this is a good long topic I cover in the course. And we talk about this for about 45 minutes, about many, many questions to ask these uh, potential joint ventures just to make sure it works for them. Make sure you're covering your butt, make sure you're covering their butt. But there's a lot of things to go over before you t jump into bed with somebody, uh, a stranger to become uh married to them in this joint venture partnership. And one other tip I have to do with this, typically, if you're working with me on a first project together, we will do a flip project, uh, meaning we'll buy a property, renovate it and sell it. Um, that means the our relationship has a start date and an end date. And if it works out that we can continue this relationship, it's a lot less stress than going into a long term buy and hold where you're going to be with this person for five years, 10 years, infinity time. Um, it gives it a little bit of a test run. Go for a date before you get married. Point number seven, don't use the Zestimate or any of the guesstimates that are given from Zillow, Realtor, Redfin, Trulia. Don't trust any of them. Get true comps, right? Don't trust that. You know, even whenever I go and I use um, software, and if you want some software, just message me and I can get you 20% off a lot of different softwares. But before you go even use, or even after you use software, you've pulled your comps. A lot of times I will then use those comps to send them to someone else to get a second opinion to make sure they're accurate. Maybe a realtor, broker, uh, even your lender. Make sure you're not making mistakes and do not rely on these estimates from websites. You can drastically buy properties incorrectly because you think their ARV is this. Um, those numbers can be manipulated easily uh, by other what other people are doing on the market, right? And they may not be accurate in the slightest. I don't know if any of you heard, but Zillow lost a lot of money a couple of years ago by just trusting their estimates by buying properties off of well, buying properties themselves, right? Don't make that mistake. 
do your proper comps, have your proper comps verified again, right? And that's it. Those are my seven tips of what I wanted uh, as good points that'll really make sure it's a lot safer to invest in the United States. Um, I'm so excited. This was five years and I hope I'm still doing this in another five years. I, as you probably can tell from doing this show, uh, I, I, I love doing this, right? And I love talking to a lot of people. If you are listening to this and you have bought in the United and you have bought in the United States, do reach out to me as well. Um, I would love to have you on a podcast. You're, even if you're thinking, oh, it's my first property. I, I don't think I want to do that until I'm super successful. That's not true. There is way more learning to happen from people who have just done one or two projects than someone who's developed a system and everything else. There's, there's, there's less to take away from those episodes, right? So do reach out. Let's do some episodes. Let's record some more podcasts. And this gives some more content to other Canadians investing in the U.S. to make this safer and easier for everyone to be able to do this. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, I'll keep seeing you every week for hopefully another 500 years. Bye, everyone.